Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Is your future uh, worse or the same or better? Yes. Are you sure about that? Yes. The Bible said the path of the just gets brighter and brighter. It's supposed to get better and better, and when we're on his path, it does. Say it out loud, my best days, my best days are, ahead. are ahead. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, guys. Y'all can be seated. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, raise your hand real high, and uh, the ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold your hand up real high. And let's go to the book of James, the fourth chapter, James chapter 4, and also Matthew chapter 11. James chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 11. Let's agree together for exactly what should come out. And you know, even if the exact right thing came out or comes out, that doesn't mean you'd hear it unless you have ears to hear. Do you know that? A lot of things going on in a, a, a correct church service, one that God's really involved in. There's a lot of church services that God's really not, not much involved in. Some he's not involved in at all. And all of us have to watch about our traditions and our ideas. Uh, the further I go, the more I see how much junk is done and said in the name of God. It's just a bunch of junk. It's not true. It's not right. It's a complete misrepresentation of him. And yet people say it and people do it. And a lot of folks don't know any better than to just go, uh-huh, okay, that must be right. Uh, one of the big, biggest things you can do for yourself to get out of that and get away from that is put your nose in this book, right? Because God's not going to do anything or say anything contradictory to what he's already said, what he's already done. He's never contradicted himself, and he never will. And if he is God, and what he has said is perfect, knowing the, the end from the beginning, there's uh, one thing about this book, it, it never uh, needs an update. We'll never get a version 2.0 on the Bible. If you hear about one, don't get it. Don't get it. Because <laughs> if it really is the Word of God, it, doesn't, it will never need to be updated. Because he knew from the, you know, from the beginning what the end would be. And uh, so anyway, around here, you know, we read our chapter every day, Monday through Friday. And there's numerous reasons for that. And if you're, if you're new with us or you feel like this is your church in particular or the Lord's dealing with you, I don't ask you to do a lot of things. I don't ask you to give in the offering. I don't ask you. That's not something you'll hear a lot. If you feel like I'm your pastor or I'm going to be, I am asking you to do this. Read your chapter every day. Now, you can do more than that. 
Do all you want, but at least do that. And that, that puts us on the same page, literally, as a congregation, thinking the same thoughts. And so uh, if you don't if you want to know more about that, go by the uh, information area. We've got a little bookmark that you can put in your Bible. shows you what chapter we're reading. If you read one chapter each day, Monday through Friday, and it just takes a few minutes of your time, you will have read the New Testament through in its entirety in one year, exactly. This works out perfect. Now, when you do it, let me talk a little bit about how to do it. You don't do it with the TV going and answering emails at the same time and texts. Did you hear me? Don't do it at the very end of the day when you can half stay awake. Do it when you're fresh, when you're bright. Do it with your family. Make it a deal. You might know what I mean. Turn everything off. Read it out loud. Before you read it, Pray for just a moment. Say, Lord, open our eyes to see things in your word that we've not seen before. Bring things to our remembrance. Uh, Feed our spirits. Feed our faith. And and do it right. Give Give the word full respect, full attention. And and when you do this, you'll just be so blessed by what you see out of it. Phyllis and I do this. We'll sit down and we'll read our chapter together. And man, we just get to preaching to one another. Okay, even though you've seen it, maybe and heard it and preached on it for years, you, you see new things. It's alive. It's living. And friend, this, this will do more for your spirituality and for your life than anything else I know of. Did you hear me? I know that's a big statement, but I say it. Because somebody said, what about prayer? Well, that's, that's close to it. But I put the word first because you don't even know how to pray if you don't know the word. And you don't have the faith to pray right. You don't know how to, which direction to pray. So they're, they're directly connected. So, so tell me again, everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. Now this is something you'll hear about again. So if you think I'm going to forget about it, you're wrong. I'm going to bring it up again. I'm going to bring it up again. You know, if you see me next year, you're going to hear about it again. Right? This is not going away. So, so you might as well just jump on the bandwagon, right, and go, yeah, man, I'm a scripture reader. Chapter every day. <clears throat> James 4, did you find it? James 4 and 6. It says, he, God, gives more grace. Everybody say more grace. More grace. So obviously, you can have grace, and you can have grace in a greater measure, greater degree. The grace of God is one of the biggest things you can talk about. It's one of the biggest issues in the whole Word of God. And people say, what is grace? And oftentimes you'll hear, well, it's unmerited favor. Well, that's a little bit clinical for me. It is that, but it's so much more. The grace of God is the power of God. It's the ability of God. It's the wisdom of God. It is the favor and opportunity God gives. You can sum it all up in this word. It's his help. 
And with enough of God's help, you can make it through anything. Do you believe that? I'm telling you, with enough of God's help or enough of God's grace, you can learn anything, you can understand anything, you can get the answer to anything. Do you believe it? You can overcome anything. You can get free from anything. Do you believe it? And even though you can have grace, what else can you have? You can have more. So if, if God's ability is helping you to a certain point, and you got more of his ability, favor, knowledge, wisdom, anointing, you got more of his grace, more of his help. What would that mean? Well, then it would mean that things that you were accomplishing, howbeit struggling, you'd now be able to do easily because you got more help. And it would mean things that you had not been able to do, you now would be able to do because you got more grace, more help. If you've been struggling with addictions, if you've been falling in the same sin over and over and over again, you know what you need? You need more grace. Are you interested in this? Hmm? If you know in your heart there's something you should be, something you should be doing, something you should accomplish, and you just hadn't been able to get there, what do you need? You need more Divine help, more divine ability, more divine opportunity, and favor and resources. Do you believe with enough of his help, you can do anything? Sit out loud. I can can do all things things through Christ Christ who strengthens me. me. Nothing would be impossible to you. Do you believe that? Nothing. Nothing would be unattainable, unreachable. With enough of his help. If you believe that, then this next phrase becomes very important to you. What does it say? He gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God does what? Resists the proud. Who don't? Uh, that's bad English. It wouldn't be the first time you heard some around here. Who doesn't get the help? Who does not receive God's grace? The proud don't get the help. In fact, they get resisted of God. Now, not only are you not helped by God, but you are resisted. (laughs) How many understand you're not going to make it? Right? You, you don't have the help of God and you're being withstood and resisted. You're not going to make it. But he gives grace. God gives grace to who? The humble. The humble. We touched on this last time I was with you and I want to go further with it. As a teenager... Reading the Bible through for myself, really, for the first time, 
front to back. The Lord spoke to me very significantly. I, uh, just a, uh, a boy, really. And I started off in Genesis, and I got to Numbers 12.3. And it said, Now the man Moses was meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth. And when I read that, the Spirit of God spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice now. It wasn't audible. But something strong inside me, it came to my mind. And the Lord asked me a question. said, did you realize Moses was the meekest man, the the most humble man in his generation? I thought, "I, I see that. He said, did you also realize he was the most used man of me in his generation? I thought, no, I hadn't seen that. I didn't know that. And then, back there then, as a boy, I I began to pursue it. I said, Lord, teach me. What is humility? Because I see, if I'm going to be used of you, or anybody's going to be used of you, we got to have your grace. And how much you get used and how much is accomplished is in direct connection with how much grace. Who's going to get the grace? Who's not going to get it? The proud. Who's going to get more grace, you reckon? The more humble. Who's going to get the most grace? The most meek. The most humble. Now, I begin to see that there is this big misunderstanding about what humility even is. Because you can tell that's the case Because so many Christians have no desire to find out any more about it. If you say, we're having a prosperity seminar, y'all come. Man, parking lot fills up. (laughs) We're having a humility seminar, y'all come. Oh boy. (laughs) Are people as excited about that? Why? Why aren't people excited? Because... There's this this wrong mentality. When people hear meek, they think weak. Hmm? They think weak and passive, doormat. Hmm? But nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, it takes a lot more strength to be humble than it does to be proud. Did you hear me, friends? What does it say in the rest of the scripture? He gives more grace, wherefore he says God does what? He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you want more grace and I want more grace, what should we be very interested in? Humility. Finding out about it, developing in it, growing in it. Why? Because the more we can develop there, the more grace we can get. The stronger we can be, the more we can accomplish, the more we can receive, right? Because when we, when we can't receive any more grace, we can't go any further. We can't overcome any further. We can't be any more. Because how many would acknowledge it's all by his grace? Is it? Without his grace, we talked about this last time. Without his grace, we are nothing. We know nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. But thank God we're not without him. And with him, we have it all. And we can do it all. 
but it's only with his help. Uh, Verse 7, he goes on to say, submit yourselves to God. That goes right along with with humility. And resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Uh, Who do you reckon is the proudest being you'd ever come in contact with? It's the devil. The most unlike God. And what should you do with him and his stuff? Absolutely give it no place. Resist it with everything that's in you. Go to Matthew 11, please. Y'all believing with me this morning? Matthew 11 and 28. Matthew 11, Jesus said, In verse 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy loaded, laden, and I'll do what? I will give you rest. Rest. Keep reading. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. How many want to learn about him? Who he really is. Not some goofy religious idea that a man cooked up. But who he really is. Learn of me. And what's of all the things he could have brought up when he said learn about me. What's the first thing now he mentions? I am meek. And lowly. In heart. This has got nothing to do with being weak. Or depressed. We need mind renewal. Jesus is my hero. He's the strongest there's ever been. Do you believe it, saints? Weak? There's nothing weak about him. I'm just convinced that if a lot of folks that have so many goofed up ideas, if they could really spend an afternoon with the real Jesus, they'd come away with their mouth open going, whoa. He is way different than I thought. Because they've seen goofy pictures that people hung on the wall. Hmm? And they've heard things that people came up with. And they've believed things that were said and done and shown. No, no. He is the strongest of the strong. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But a big part of what makes him that is his humility. His humility. He said come learn of me. I am meek. And lowly of heart. And what will happen? What will happen? What will happen to you when you learn that? Well we know. That when you grow in humility. What's going to happen? Grace comes. Wonder if that would help you to rest. Huh? You know something that will wear you out is keeping up a front. Oh, man. Maintaining a facade. Keeping up a front. It just, it will fatigue you till you feel like falling down. You you know, I hear people say, you know, I, I just, I can't wait till I can get home and you know and, and just let my hair down and, and be myself. Well, 
who are you being over here? <laughs> and, and, and the fact is, there's way too much of that. People do. People do when they go when they leave the house. They put on more than makeup and clothes. And <clears throat> they put on a persona. When they go to the job, they they when they step through the door, they bring something else in. And uh, they're they're it, it's exhausting trying to maintain anything false because. You can't keep up with it. It has to do with a lie. And you tell a lie, a lie cannot be consistent because it's not true. And then you get four or five or ten or twelve of them going, and you have to try to remember all the inconsistencies of the other stuff. You're going to mess up somewhere. And that's exhausting. Did I tell them this? Did I tell them it's like that? Did I tell them I, I, I had this or I had that? None of it was true. Yeah. And friend, when you walk in honesty, yeah. you can relax. Yeah. I said you can relax because you're not going to have something come up and bite you here. <laughs> that you forgot to cover well enough. Huh? Right. One of your lies that you told. One of the biggest qualities of true humility is honesty. It's not trying to be humble. It's just being honest. And being honest is being humble. You show me a humble person, I'll show you an honest person every time. Think about it. Something comes up that doesn't paint you in the best light. People ask you about it, and you go, yeah, I did it. I messed it up. What is that? What is that? And what else is it? It's humility. It's humility. What does pride want to do? What what does pride want to do? Pride wants to do anything necessary to keep moi from looking bad. Hmm? And friend, that is not okay. I know the world's full of it, but that is the very nature of the devil himself. Depending on what degree you got it in your life, and God hates it. I said he hates it. I'm quoting him. It's bad, bad stuff. So how many think you ought to hate whatever he hates? We're not talking about hating people. We're talking about hating something. Pride. Do you want to learn about Jesus? Yes. You want to learn how he, who he really is? He said, learn of me. What's the very next thing out of his mouth? I am meek. If you want to learn about me, you've got to learn about being meek and lowly of heart. And what will happen to you when you find out about these things? Here's an evidence that you are finding out about it. You begin to breathe a sigh of relief. You begin to get into rest. Hmm? You, you quit trying to maintain the facade. And you live in the truth. You live in reality. If it doesn't make you look good, well, so be it. You, you believe by the grace of God, you'll get it changed. Right? You trust in Him. And it doesn't matter nearly as much what people think about you as it does what God knows about you. 
already. <clears throat> you got time for some more? Yes. Go with me, please, to the book of John, the seventh chapter. <clears throat> you guys listen good. Thanks be to God. You're going to John 7. For time's sake, I'm going to read a few verses to you out of Proverbs about how God sees pride. You just hold your place in John 6. You can jot these down or, or just listen. Proverbs 6 says, These six things does the Lord hate. Seven are an abomination to him. The first on the list, a proud look of the things he hates. And he goes on down the list. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. That's a strong word, isn't it? If he hates it, what about you? You should hate it. Hate what? Pride. Arrogancy. Proverbs 16.5, everyone that is proud in heart is abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 21.4, a high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. Is sin. Listen to some, some things that talk about the effects of pride. Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The more you get puffed up in your own mind and head, you're headed for a fall, aren't you? It is just a spiritual fact. Before destruction, Proverbs 18 says, the heart of man is haughty. But before honor is humility. When a, when a man or woman's humbling themselves, what's about to happen? They're about to be promoted. Right? When you're exalting yourself, what's about to happen? You're about to go down. It's a spiritual law. Uh, Proverbs 29 says, a man's pride will bring him low, but honor will uphold the humble in spirit. And there are numerous others. But the word's very plain about this. Of all the things that pe people get upset and they get excited about, you know, somebody drinking a beer, somebody smoking a cigarette, somebody uh, using a, a, a word that's not the best. And I tell you, uh, uh Sometimes folks that are harping about these things are, are just full of pride and not realizing that you won't find any verses in here that speak as strongly about those other things as about this. Hmm? Again, it's religious tradition versus reality in the Word. God looks at a man or woman's heart, doesn't he? That is the most important thing. Is your heart. And one of the biggest things about your heart. Is whether you're haughty in front of him. Or whether you're humble in front of him. And it's not something you can fake. I said it's not something you can fake. Because how many believe he sees right through everything. I mean you, you cannot snow God. Right? You can't fool him. He sees through everything. In John 7. You holding your place there? One of the big indicators 
of pride, and, and the reason I'm talking about this, because this, these are things that the Lord showed me when I asked him about helping myself. I said, Lord, show me what real humility is and, and help me to see pride so that I can get it out. Quit yielding to it. Quit being that way, because if you hate it, I hate it too. I don't, I don't want it in me. But you're not going to deal with something that you don't even see. Hmm? And this, kind, this is the kind of thing that other people see better than you. Huh? Let me just ask you a question. People that are real proud, do they think they're proud? No. They got no problem with that. <laughs> see what I'm saying? In fact, you, you got some Christians that are proud of how humble they are. <laughs> think about that one. It's a very subtle, insidious thing. And you need the help of the Lord to identify it. And that's what's happening in this series. That's what's happening with us right now. And I'm excited about it because even though some of it, I'll just be frank with you, some of it's not going to be real pleasant for you. Oh, but if you'll receive it, it's going to set you up to receive more grace than you've ever received in your life up till now. Because God's got a plan for us. We're going places. We're doing things. Do you believe it? But this is in the way. I said, this, is, this pride stuff's in the way. We've got to get it out. And uh, before you can get it out, you've got to see it. And I asked the Lord to teach me, and it seemed like, well, it didn't seem like it was. For year after year, he'd show me several things throughout the year, this is pride. And I'd see it in myself, and I'd go, ah, it is. It is. And I'd go along a few months, and he'd show me something else, and I'd go, mm, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's ugly. Stinking pride. Hmm? And guess where it is? In you. In you. And there's not a person that doesn't need to deal with this. Not a one. Not a one. And there's nobody that developed so far that you put up a flag and you conquered pride one day and that's it. You, uh-uh. That's when pride won. <laughs> you were proud of how much pride you had gotten rid of. It's subtle, isn't it? It's subtle. It's one of the most devilish things there is. It's his very makeup and personality. Here's something that will help you to identify. We're going to give you more than one thing as time goes on, but here's something to start on. John 7 and verse uh, 17. If any man will do his will... He shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaks of himself, verse 18, is doing what? Seeking whose glory? How can you tell he's seeking his glory? Because he's speaking of who? His self. Seeking his glory. Speaking of his self. Can you see this? But he that seeks his glory that sent him, 
reckon who he'd be talking about. He's not talking of himself. He's talking of the one and from the one who sent him. And the same is true and no unrighteousness is in him. Did you know Jesus never took credit for one healing or one deliverance or one miracle or one sermon that he preached or ministered? Did you know that? Read the gospel's accounts carefully and you'll see. He always said, he said it over and over again. John's a great place to see it. I can of my own self do nothing. The master said it. You remember reading this? He said, I only say what I hear the father say. I only do what I see him do. It's the father in me. He does the works. So whose glory was he seeking? Who was he talking about? Who was he attributing everything to? And if you're speaking of yourself, I'm doing this. Now let's just come right back to this. Jesus is speaking, and the doctors of the law, the the religious leaders came, and they said, how in the world, where did he get all this? He didn't go to school. He didn't have a doctorate of divinity. He hadn't been to the places we've been. How does he speak like this? Where does he get this? You know what a lot of people would have said? Well, you have to pay the price. When others were playing, I was praying. It, it, you got to pay the price. Hmm? Hmm? I studied. I studied and studied till I fell out of my chair. And then I got up and I studied some more. And I, and I figured this thing out. I got it. I had to press. I had to fast. Hmm? And I got it. <laughs> Is there anything wrong with that? There's everything wrong with that. Who does that glorify? That glorifies you. And you're talking about what you've done and how you got it and how you accomplished it, which reveals you are not seeking God's glory. You are seeking your glory. Even if you throw in a few verses and hallelujahs with it, you still are seeking for the listener to be impressed with you. How spiritual you are. How diligent you are. How much you've sacrificed. How hard you've worked. What you've done. Hmm? How you believe more than somebody else. You love God more than somebody else. Etc. Etc. Y'all with me saints? No. What did Jesus say? What did he say? They said where would you get this? How do you say these things? Where'd you get all these parables and these teachings and this, these truths that you're saying? Where'd you get it? What'd he say? He said, it's not mine. The Father gave it to me. None of this, I figured it out. I got it. I worked hard. None of it. None of it. Friend, do you understand? Preachers, ministers, anybody, 
You've got nothing good unless the Lord gave it to you. And if he gave it to you, you didn't figure it out. He gave it to you. You can do everything you know how to do, and you can come up with some stuff, but it won't be worth telling. Unless the Spirit of God reaches inside you and turns on the light and shows it to you, you will never get it. And so, if he gave it to you, why would you boast as though nobody gave it to you? As though you came up with it yourself. All this, I'm a self-made man, can't pull myself up by my own bootstrap stuff. This is ugly in the eyes of God. This is, first of all, it's not even true. It's not true. People say, well, it is. I made myself. Who made you to start with? You wouldn't have a breath. You couldn't find the door. Somebody kept the sun shining so you could see how to get to work. Somebody kept gravity working so you didn't fly off the planet. On your way, come on. It is such ignorance to talk about, I did all this. I made it. I made it happen. I went out into the world and made it happen. Huh? I'm, uh, I'm, you know. My own man. Well, you're not God's man then. And if you, if you believe that you did everything, anything that you did that was any good without any help, then you really are ignorant. And you're acting a fool. Because the truth is, how many understand for you to be sitting in this chair looking at me this morning, me to be looking at you, we had help. We had help getting on the earth. We had help. How many could testify you'd have been killed a thousand times over by all kinds of different things? You've been spared until this present hour. You've been kept, right? It is only because of his grace and help that we made it this far. And what we need is to not be foolish and ignorant and think we did it ourselves, but to believe for more grace, to go further and to receive more. Can you say amen? In uh, Timothy, I'm not quite done. How about you? In 1 Timothy 3, we see something enlightening about the devil. Something we need to learn because if there's one thing I, I want concerning the devil is to be absolutely nothing like him. How about you? I don't want to have anything in common with that sorry cuss. He is a sorry one too. Cruel. Whew. The, 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 the most evil, vile, perverted, cruel individual you've ever been around is not as bad as him. They got it from him. First Timothy 3 talks about... Uh, people becoming elders and leaders. We'll read verse uh, 5, I guess. 1 Timothy 3, 5. If a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? The, the same principles that apply to Christian family apply to a local church. Exactly. We're not just an institution. We're a family. We're a family. Verse 6. Not a novice. Newbies 
are not supposed to be put in places of authority. I don't care if they're famous in the world. Somebody that got born again last week is not supposed to have a position of leadership in the church right away. Why? Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation or the same condemnation of the devil. Telling us that's what happened to the devil. The devil wasn't made a devil. He was created. The, the anointed cherub that covers. He was a, an amazing, brilliant being. And we don't know how long he was with God or served in his function. But something happened to him. And he got lifted up with pride. Let me read some other translations of this to you. The, uh, the NIV says, he, talking about leaders, must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. When, when you come up the right way, God's plan You'll learn some lessons and learn some things by the time he puts you in a place. And you're able to deal with it and handle it properly. But if you put yourself in a place, he puts, other people put you in a place you shouldn't have, then you're not prepared for it. You'll be vulnerable to being tempted and falling to temptation. He, uh, the Amplified says he must not be a new convert or he may develop a beclouded and stupid state of mind as the result of pride and be blinded by conceit and fall into the condemnation that the devil once did. The same thing that has happened to people that have been put in positions they weren't ready for is what happened to the devil. Years ago, pride. Verse 10 goes on to say, he gave some of the same uh, instructions for elders and deacons. Let these also first be proved. The Greek there means tested and approved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. The good news says they should be tested first, and then if they pass the test, they are to serve. I mean, people know that out in the world with corporations. They don't take somebody that got hired uh, last week and make them the president of the company, and they don't even know how the company's run, what's going on. But in church, the church has gotten so far away from the Word and the things of God, that, and people are so short-handed in church that somebody will come in. You never met them. They just showed up last week and just turned, something, turned a whole department over to them just because they'll do it. That's unscriptural. That's wrong. How many believe the things of God are as important and more important than anything going on out in the world, right? And we should take it as seriously and give it our best, and people should be committed and, and trained, right? And, and tested and proven. And uh, that also protects the individual, that they don't get in a place they're not ready for and then wind up falling into the same condemnation and judgment that the devil did long ago. 
Go with me in the Old Testament. Let's see, to the book of, uh, you go to Isaiah, and I'll read another place before we get there. You go to Isaiah 14, please. Isaiah 14, put up on the screen for us, Ezekiel 28, uh, I'm trying to rush. You got time for this or not? Well, just go with me to Ezekiel then. Ezekiel 28, then we'll, we'll go together to Isaiah. You know, people have an idea about how long a service is supposed to last. But where did that idea come from? Hmm? When, did it, when did it get that time allotment get set? <laughs> you know? Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. Um, you know, preachers can keep going after they're done. And I'm sure I've done it. But on the other hand, how was your listening that day? See, hearers don't realize if you listened better, maybe we could only say it one time and got through quicker and didn't need to tell four other stories trying to accomplish the same. So we're all in this together. If your mind wasn't wandering and drifting and thinking about fried chicken, you might have got it the first time. So, how about I, I'll cut you some slack and you cut me some slack, right? And, let, and let's just, if it takes us a few more minutes to get her done, not make a big deal out of it. But, you know, we see in the book of Acts where we know they had services that lasted uh, three plus hours and they weren't done yet. They were going strong. And we saw Paul one night preached all night long. All night long. And it wasn't like, you know, glory was shaking the rafters because one young guy fell asleep while Paul was preaching, right? Fell out the window. <laughs> and God had to heal him and raise him up. <laughs> Could, would we say Paul missed it? Huh? By going so long? Don't get scared. Don't get scared. Huh? <clears throat> I'm just saying we got to watch about, uh, you know, people say, well, the service is supposed to be X amount long. Said who? Where did that come from? Is that right? How many think we ought to give the Lord our full attention, right, and be open? We're his. Tell us what you want us to know. Show us what you want us to do and uh, not act like we don't have time for him. I know that's right. Well, Ezekiel 28 and 12. I won't take time to go into it, but um, the, the prophet was speaking against the prince of Tyrus, and he describes the whole thing earlier in this chapter, and then he starts talking about the king of Tyrus. And why would he talk about that? And as you get further into it, you realize he's talking about a spirit being that was influencing the ruler of Tyrus. And as you read it, you'll see this. Keep reading. 
He said, you seal up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now notice, didn't say you think you are. It said you are. Keep reading. You have been in Eden. Well, the prince of Tyrus hadn't been in Eden. Who was in Eden? Adam and Eve, but they're long gone. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of your tablets and of your pipes was prepared in you in the day that you were created. Not born, created. This is not talking about a man, is it? And notice pipes and tablets prepared in you. Uh, perhaps he could, could make music and sing and something beyond what we have seen and known. And beauty, garments, coverings. 14, you are the anointed cherub that covers and I have set you so. God's talking. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. This can't be a man. Keep going. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now this is such a great revelation here. God does not create things messed up. The devil is messed up. But he didn't create him that way. He created him perfect. Hmm? Just like he created this earth perfect. Just like he created Adam and Eve perfect. And all of the curse and the perversions and the death and destruction that has followed was not a part of his original creation. It was the result of man's sin. Do you believe that, saints? Keep going. By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I, ca I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Keep reading. Your heart was what? What happened to him? What happened to it? Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom. Who corrupted his wisdom? He did it. God didn't make the devil the devil. He created the anointed cherub that covers. And he used his wisdom and perverted his own wisdom because of his pride and his beauty and other things and became what he is. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. The Amplified says, Your heart was proud and lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Hmm? What, what, what was he interested in? Becoming greater than he was. Now, he was great. How great must he have been? But it wasn't enough for him. He was in the presence of the Almighty. Yeah. 
He had a part in the eternal workings of God. Wasn't enough. He wanted more. More for himself. Satan's called the God of this world. Can you see his influence in the world? How many people are that? It's not enough. They're not thankful. They they want more. They want to take this, take this away for my glory, to build my thing. That's all coming from him. Go to Isaiah, please, the 14th chapter. Isaiah 14 and 12. You see the same double reference. You'll see a man... And then you'll see a spirit behind the man. And we're told that there are rulers of the darkness of this world. There are spirits that are influencing. Thank God there are good spirits influencing too. The Holy Spirit's influencing. Angels are influencing. You and I are supposed to be influences. Right? For good. In this earth. He said this. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? How many believe his day's coming? He's running out of time. You believe it? He's not everything he's cracked himself up to be. He's not some kind of dark, equal opposite to God. Are you kidding? God created him as an angel, and he's fallen from that. And his days are numbered. His days are numbered. Hmm? Verse 13, for you have said in your heart, see if you recognize any of this. You have said in your heart, what's the next thing? I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the star, above the stars of God. I, we're hearing an awful lot of I, he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. He was created by God to glorify God. And in that function, he was beautiful and amazing. But apart from that, he does not have a place. He does not have a reason to exist. Did you know you're the same? I said, did you know you're the same? All things are created by him and for him. Say it out loud. I am am created created to glorify him. him. Friend, if we live for that purpose, we find our purpose. And we find satisfaction. And we can be beautiful. And we can be glorious. And we can be fruitful in that function. Outside of it, we have no other. Outside of it, we're a branch cut off of the vine. Do you believe it? Outside of it, we're a member separated from the head and the body. Say it out loud again. I live. I exist to glorify Him. Now, is that real to you? Are you thinking that every day and every night? Do you want people to see you? Notice you. Be impressed with you. That's a little weak, guys. Huh? 
Do you want people to be impressed with you? To, to make a big deal out of you? To see you? To know you? To ooh and ah about you? You should not. Because that's not your purpose. That's not where you thrive. That's not your function. What do you want them to see? I want them to see him. Hmm? You know my idea of a perfect message and ministry where I'm involved is when people leave going, ooh and ah, glory to God, glory to God. People say, who preached? They go, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who preached, but it was glorious. It was a God was there. That's my idea of a top-notch service. I really don't care. I know some might not believe that, but I'm telling you, I don't. I prefer it. Because the more you look at me, it hinders me. The more you make a big deal out of me, because I'm not the Savior. You know that. I'm not the healer. I'm not the deliverer. Oh, but if I, if I can be used to glorify him, then I'm in my purpose. I'm in my function. Then I am something. I have something. But the moment you start this I, 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 I. You see what he said? You've said in your heart. We've already saw in Ezekiel he was lifted up in his heart. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. This is you pushing you. Above the stars of God. Now, I've I've read this and I've thought, how can you be in the presence of God and think you got a shot at making this happen? It just boggles the mind. And yet, human beings are doing it all over the planet. Aren't they acting like there is no God? Not caring what he said or did, they're going to do their own thing? I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Can you see what he's... He's trying to use faith and confession against the creator of faith and confess. He's seen God do this. He's seen God conceive something in him and say it, and it happens. And he's going to get up in God's face and say... I will ascend into heaven. Man, this had to cause a stir in heaven. This had to cause some. You know what? And what's even more amazing is he convinced other angels. He could pull this off. He must have been brilliant and amazing. Right? He had to be. God said he was. Verse 14. I will, here's some more I. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Huh? What? What? Well, when he got through with his stuff, God had something to say. And faith and confession is right, but how many believe if your words hit God's words head on, when the dust clears, yours won't be there anymore. What, what did God say? 
15? You? Is he going up? No. Going down. You're not going up. The devil was pushing the button on the elevator, wasn't he? I'm going up. I'm going up. I'm, I'm going up high as God. I'm going maybe a little higher. I'm, go, I'm going up. God said, no, going down. Going down. You shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. <coughs> hmm. Friends, he warned us in Timothy not to do certain things so that what happened to the devil wouldn't happen to novices improperly promoted, right? So obviously what happened to the devil has and does happen to human beings. And we're not to judge anybody else, but what we can do is judge ourselves. And I challenge you to do this. Kind of sneak up behind yourself when you're talking and listen listen to what you're saying. You know what I mean by that or not? And when, when, you're, when you're talking about, I, and, and I thought this, and, and I did that, and, and, and I've always, and, and I, and I, and I, and I. And it's not just talking about yourself as a subject. It's talking from yourself. Ask yourself this question and be real honest with yourself. Why am I telling them this? Why am I telling them this? And if you'll be honest, again and again, you'll have to say, I'm trying to impress them with me. Hmm? And that's pride. And it's not okay. And it'll keep you from the grace of God. It'll, it'll, it'll keep you limited and down. I've had people come to me before, and, and I never saw them before. And they're shaking their hand, and they go, they said, you know, God uses me in all nine gifts of the Spirit. That's happened more than once. You know, I've had visions and I've seen, I don't know them. We've known each other for a minute and a half. Why are they telling me these things? Why? To bless me? To bless me? To help me some way? No. 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 Why are they speaking of themselves? Seeking what did, what did the master say, the head of the church? Seeking their own glory. And that's not the same as seeking God's glory at all. Now, don't misunderstand me. You've done that, and I've done that. Different degrees and different measures. But uh, I'm glad you're here today because the Lord's going to bring it to your remembrance, and you're going to notice it now. Don't just notice it in other people. You don't know what they have seen, or they might not have heard this message either, okay? So you're, you're accountable for what you know. Don't be judging other folks. Judge yourself and listen to yourself. And, and if this really begins to work in you, you will change what you tell people and how you go about it because you'll stop trying to impress everybody. It is much more impressive if people find out good things or accomplishments about you that you did not tell them, exactly. that you did not, right? right? That you did not bring out. And that is scripture. The Bible says, let another praise you. Yeah. 
not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. That's what the proverb says. And besides that, you, don't, you shouldn't be so interested in them being impressed with you anyway. You want them to be impressed with your God. Right? Because he is. <laughs> he is impressive. He is amazing and wonderful and glorious. Stand on your feet, everybody.